Let us pray. Grant, O Lord, that because we have met together here today, life may grow greater for some who have lost faith in it, simpler for those who are confused by it, more secure for some who would escape it, happier for some who may be tasting the bitterness of it, safer for some who are feeling the peril of it, more friendly for some who are feeling the loneliness of it, and holier for some to whom life may have lost its dignity, its beauty, and its meaning, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I spent an evening and a day in Chicago this past week with a colleague of mine, the Reverend Callie Swanland. We were planning a retreat, a retreat that we'll be leading together in November here in the Diocese of Oklahoma. As you may know, I am a certified facilitator of Brene Brown's work, and we will be at St. Crispin's in just a few short months to lead a retreat weekend for anyone and everyone who would like to come. So, save the date, which I'm not remembering off the top of my head. It's like November 20th that weekend. More details to come, but you're invited. It will be great. Coming together in person to plan this retreat, it was imperative, as this retreat isn't just about regurgitating information that we have to people who don't have it. To be together, to allow for creativity and inspiration and excitement to build up was necessary. And so we both sat at our computers about a month ago and we searched for the cheapest flights to places that were both within two hours of where we each live. So thank you, Southwest Airlines, for a fantastic deal to Chicago. We rented a tiny Airbnb in the West Loop and spent about 21 waking hours planning, but also laughing and walking and eating, being nourished and fed in preparation for this intensive weekend, but also being nourished and fed for that moment. Even with the amount of work that we accomplished in such a short amount of time, it was still restful and restorative. It was a mini retreat for the retreat leaders. But even on such a short trip, flying out late Thursday, uh, late Tuesday afternoon and flying back very early Thursday morning, there was no getting away for either of us no getting away from what we left behind. Both of us are parents, both of us are spouses, both of us priests, both of us with smartphones and laptops, super connected, and wanting to be connected, right? We want to be connected with the people and places that we love, but also still needing time apart. It gets really complicated trying to find that balance. Jesus himself knew the difficulties of getting away. Jesus set out and went away 
to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. Our gospel for this morning are the culminating verses of chapter 7 of Mark's gospel. If we even go back just one chapter, just one, this is what we get. Jesus being ridiculed and disparaged by his hometown. Jesus sending out the disciples in pairs to heal and share God's love. Jesus experiencing the death of his cousin John the Baptist. Jesus feeding the 5,000. Jesus walking on water. Jesus doing a public healing and get a surrette and Jesus being publicly examined and verbally attacked by the Pharisees. Just in the previous chapter. If anyone deserved a vacation, it was Jesus. So he picked an unlikely location. Perhaps he got a great deal. He snuck into his Airbnb. And yet, could not escape notice. What follows are two healing stories, one being one of the most uncomfortable exchanges that Jesus has with someone in Scripture. There's a lot of back and forth between preachers and theologians about exactly what Jesus means in his exchange with the Syrophoenician woman, you know, where he basically calls her a dog. But none of us really know. Maybe he was hangry, you know, cranky because he was hungry. It's as good a guess as any. But his interaction, his interaction with her, it leads him, at least in my eyes, to a very unlikely place. It leads him to mercy and to the healing of her daughter. And it is that encounter that then leads him to heal another. He encounters this deaf and mute man, and we're told that Jesus looked up to heaven and sighed and said to him, be opened. The Greek word used for the word sigh, it actually means groan. And it's the same groan as in childbirth. That means Jesus made a type of noise that emits life-giving energy. Jesus tells them to tell no one that he has made this man see and speak, which of course means they tell everyone. And this really could have led Jesus down a path bitterness, of anger. They didn't listen again. But what we hear in the 8th chapter of Mark's Gospel, more miracles, more feedings, more healings, more mercy. We are all exhausted. Even if you think that you're not, you are. We are all exhausted. 
We all need a break, a getaway, a retreat, to get out and go away and not have anyone know where we are. We all need to escape notice. But that is almost impossible. Even if we can find the time and the place and the funds, even if we can leave behind the responsibilities, if we could part with the daily pull and demands of relationships, even if we could find a place with no internet access, could you turn off your mind? Could you disconnect your heart so it doesn't feel the pulse of anxiety and love that constantly draw our attentions back to that which we left behind. Once we get to our getaway, can we avoid the intrusion of those who call our getaway home? When there is no such thing as real escape, what is our response? Mercy. Our response can only be mercy. Now, we don't know why Jesus said what he said to this Syrophoenician woman, but we do know regardless of where he started, that he ended in mercy. We know that that interaction led him to further heal, to move forward and continue even more in mercy as he encountered again and again people who had demands of him. We know that mercy transformed this woman from someone who was bothering Jesus, a Gentile, someone who wasn't worth his time or his manners, into a neighbor, into a beloved child of God. Many of us, perhaps most of us, are feeling the deep need for rest but also the continual pull, the pull of those around us in need. Yes, we are tired. And yes, so is everyone else. And so we start with mercy. Mercy being defined as showing loving compassion and forgiveness when it is within our power to punish or harm. Mercy is choosing a path of compassion and forgiveness. Now, I don't know if Jesus left his time away completely rested, but I do know that his encounter with the Syrophoenician woman, where he found himself in a place of mercy, it enabled and equipped him to continue his earthly ministry. 
I highly doubt that mercy will make us less tired. We might actually need a nap. But I really do believe that mercy equips us to do the work we have been given to do, to love God, to love our neighbor, to love ourselves. In Micah 6.8, we are told that God requires of us to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. May the love of mercy lead our words, guide our hearts, open our hands. It is mercy that will turn an enemy into a neighbor, a stranger into a beloved child of God. May we meet all, and I really mean all, with mercy, and perhaps that same mercy will be extended to us. Amen.